This is Yasukoya Radio, amplifying the voices of connected government and public innovation. Hello and welcome. I'm Alison Hornery and thanks for tuning in. Today we're doing a debrief on Canada's preeminent GovTech conference, Government Technology Exhibition and Conference, or GTech. The 2013 event was held in early October and I'm joined today by Tom Kearney and Richard Pietro to talk about their experiences with the conference this year and against that backdrop to look at how the GovTech landscape is shifting in Canada. Tom is a public sector strategist with Rowan Wood Consulting and the founder of the GovChat weekly Twitter chat. Welcome, Tom. Hi, thanks, Alison. Happy to be here. And Richard is a former political candidate in Canada and a founding member of the not-for-profit Democracy 2.0 platform, Citizen Bridge. Hi, Richard. How are you doing, Alison? I'm very well, thanks. So let's start off with a bit of background about the event. Tom, if I can turn to you first, can you tell us a little bit about GTEC and where it sits in the Canadian landscape of public sector knowledge events? Well, I think in, it, it's, it is, as you described it, probably the preeminent event, certainly the one that, uh, the biggest event in Ottawa, which is our capital. So you know, in terms of the, uh, the federal public service, it's the dominant event that takes place once a year. It's been going on for about 25 years. The, the chief information officer of the government of Canada is usually involved as a sort of an honorary chair. Um, so they do spread it out beyond federal government. They make a, a concerted effort to include the the uh, provinces and the, and some municipalities at least, um, but at least for, uh, certainly for me and for anybody focused on the federal information technology scene, it's it's sort of the event. Okay, so I noticed uh, that in the kind of convening group that you have uh, quite a number of, of government uh, representatives as part of the convening team, but also a number of uh, private sector participants as well. Is there a sense that this is very much a coming together of the public sector with the private sector to talk about GovTech? Yes, I think that's 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 a big part of the organizers' intent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the reality is you you get the public servants involved to make sure they show up, and you get the private sector involved so that they sponsor it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it is very much an opportunity for. For a commingling of of the two the two groups, if you will, and it's one of the few opportunities where where you really get that opportunity to to work together or, or at least be together. Hmm. Richard, what made you decide to attend GTEC this year? Well, I was lucky enough to be asked to present at one of the sessions last year. I was not really familiar with GTEC, its impact, its role in the Canadian landscape. And I've never actually worked with public servants before last year either. And when I was first introduced to GTEC and when I presented, I got to, commu- got to, to know the community known in, in Canada as a W2P community of public servants that are called themselves Web 2.0 practitioners. I completely fell in love with what these public servants are trying to do in changing the culture within government, making it much more flexible, uh, responsive, adaptive. And this year, uh, although I was not presenting, uh, I asked the, the, the organizers, as a civilian, as just a regular Joe, <laughs> can I come by and do some live blogging for the event? And they said, by all means. They welcomed, It was not like a fight or I didn't have to put a business case together. They said, we'd love for you to be here you know, write about it, and they allowed me to do that, and I'm very thankful for that. 
Okay, I, that's something that we'll definitely come back and, and explore a little further, this issue of, of live blogging and, and socialising the event. But let's talk firstly about the, the general themes and, and the focus of the discussion, uh, given that it's an annual event. Tom, what was the focus of this year's discussions? Well, the theme of the event was agile, mobile and innovation, I think, were the, the, big, the big words. Um, and, you know, that, that I think reflects what governments globally are trying to do, right, mm. and trying to deal with from a technology perspective. So this issue of uh, open is, is obviously one that's, that's quite popular and, and um, pervasive in a lot of these sorts of conversations happening at the moment. Um, and given that it is a, a key word in, in the conference theme, how was open government talked about uh, throughout the various sessions of the conference? Was it specifically talked about in the context of Canada's open government partnership participation or was it talked about more, more generally uh, as a thread, I guess, in, in other ways that, that technology works in the government space? How was open talked about? Well, it was certainly a, a theme from the, uh, the minister. So there were two ministers spoke at the event. And, and one, uh, Tony Clement, who's the president of our Treasury Board, which is sort of the management board for the federal government, uh, he's been really the, the point guy on, on Canada's participation in the Open Government Partnership. So he talks about it, uh, and it's it's essentially uh, right now it's pretty much an open data agenda, and it's it's right. for the most part about uh, the open data portal. So the the news, if 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 you will, this year was that you know they had revised the open data portal, and uh, most importantly had had created a new license that was uh, I think much more beneficial. Richard, can we talk a little bit about your takeouts from some of the, the senior leadership speakers? Um, Tom talked there about a couple of ministers. I understand that Diane Finley from Shared Services Canada was also uh, a speaker as well as, well as Tony Clamont. And Corinne Charette, the Chief Information Officer for Canada, was also one of the speakers. What were some of the, the main things that you took away from, uh, from what each of those leaders had to say? Well, to be perfectly honest, I was impressed with the language they were using, uh, talking about the new normal, talking about this is the way things are going to be from here on in, and you better get used to it. Mm -hmm. We are open. We want to change things. The old guard uh, is no longer the ruling guard. So to me, and I'm very new to this community, I'm very new to this space uh, in response perspective to say a person like Tom, but I went back to and, and spoke with some of my friends and they're saying, I was asking them, like, is this the language that you've heard before? Mm. Like, is this like just talking the talk, right? And they'll never walk the walk. Or is this brand new? Has this been something that you've never heard before? And, and most of them were saying, yeah, this is new language. This is things that we have not been hearing unless, un, until a couple of years ago. I think so that's I very true, Richard. I was very encouraged about the way these senior... Well, uh, thank you, Tom. I, believe you and me, to the fact that you're backing me up on this confirms my <laughs> suspicions. So it was really, to me, more than anything else, it's great to see a different kind of language being used by senior officers within the bureaucracy. And as we all know, change comes from the top down, right? So if they believe it, if they're talking about it, hopefully they'll also act on it. Mm-hmm. So a question, I guess, jumping off from, from both of those answers, and, and given that um, you know, Tom is a, a long-time practitioner in this space, um, and Richard, is, as a newcomer, it would be great to get some contrasting views about this. But 
from what I understand, GTEC is, is essentially a technology conference. Are you finding in the couple of years, certainly in the last couple of years that you've been involved, that the predominant conversation is about how technology supports government operations? And, and Tom, your comments about open government really just being about open data at the moment as the current focus um, is perhaps a sign of that. Or, or is it starting to be balanced more with how technology enables more authentic participation by, by citizens and, and by engagement between government and citizens? Is it yeah. still very much inside out or are we seeing more outside in? Well, I think there's some of that outside in, but not not as much as you might hope or mm -hmm. not as much as you sometimes, well, certainly I've seen in in, in some of the U.S. events, right? Mm -hmm. Who they really get on the bandwagon. The... Uh, for the, it, it's there, but it's not a dominant theme. The more dominant, and part of that is our administration, right? Our, our political administration is uh, not one that's renowned for its openness and, and desire to really bring citizens in. Mm -hmm. So there's some conflict there. But but so most of the conversation has been about how technology uh, can enable more effective government behaviors. So so yes, more focused on the inside. The other sort of big thing that's going on in Canada is a is a shared service and services initiative. So to to pull together, uh, you know, right now we have 44 large departments and a couple of hundred smaller agencies, and they all have different email addresses, for instance. So you know they're trying to they're trying to centralize that, give everybody a common email address, one email system, you know, consolidate 300 data centers down to 20 or something like that. Right. Uh, so a lot of, you know, that's, to me, that's sort of plumbing. It's kind of boring stuff, but it really <laughs> needs to be done, right, mm. uh, before you can move on. So, so that, you know, that said, um, a lot of the conversations have been not so much about the technology. And what I like to see is it's not about the technology. It's more about the culture. It's more about the taking risks. It's more mm. about how do we become more agile, more innovative, that type of thing. Um, so I think those are all stepping stones towards that that greater goal perhaps of you know using the technology for enhanced democracy if you will and i couldn't actually i couldn't agree more with tom on that perspective and, and that, that whole element of shared services canada i actually wrote about this a little bit i because they are taking such an organic approach to the bureaucracy with this department i really hope that they're given the leniency to to get it right like they're not going to get it right right away but i certainly hope the media and the rest of canadians don't demonize them as quickly as they tend to <laughs> yeah. a lot of times. I think Shared Services Canada is going through some, some growing pains, but they need to grow. We shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that actually, though, but the, the ministerial presence of the conference, I think, really reaffir reaffirmed that, that, you know, the government of the day very much supports shared services. And this is happening. And, you know, Corinne was the same. The new normal is shared services. Um, so that that in itself represents an enormous culture change for the the CIOs in particular. And in fact, the first day of the conference, Richard, I don't know if you were there, Next Generation CIO, they call it. So this is a day dedicated to exploring what the next generation CIO needs to be. So there was a lot of discussion around the competencies and the shift from from that technical expertise to becoming more of a collaborator and uh more of a more of an innovator and sort of taking a seat at the management table as a a true enterprise um 
officer, if you will, as opposed to a technician. Mm. That is really interesting that, that issues of, of um, capability and capacity uh, are coming out in, in these sorts of events. Could we just touch briefly on the uh, W2P, the Web 2.0 Practitioners um, idea, Richard, that you mentioned earlier on. I'm, I'm interested in picking up on that and exploring it a little further, given that um, Gov 2.0, for example, has been around for a number of years now. Um, and for some people, has really become um, a phrase that represents the use of social media by government as opposed to, to something broader. Richard, from your point of view in, in connecting in with these Web 2.0 practitioners inside the public sector, do you have a sense that those sorts of connective technologies, those social web tools, um, are a way of also broadening out this discussion beyond the operational and you know the plumbing side of things, as Tom so elegantly put it, um, into being much more interactive with, with people outside of the sector? Uh, absolutely. Um, the W2P community is, for the most part, a Twitter community mm -hmm. of public servants across Canada from different departments and at different levels of government. It's nice to see that the government is no longer looking itself into silos. They're connecting with each other offline because they're not allowed to connect online. But <laughs> conferences, <laughs> true. right? And, and GTEC is, is kind of like, once again, Tom said, it's that culture shift. You don't have to go on Twitter now, W2P people, to connect. We have space. We're allowing you to do this. We have GCpedia now. We have GTech conferences types. We, we're, we're connecting within our own walls instead of people having to go outside the walls. Yeah, and, and like, you, like you say, Rich, I mean, W2P is, is, is really cool. Um, I wasn't really involved in, in creating it at all. I was involved in creating GCpedia, which which as a first, one of the very first tools that allowed government departments to actually talk to each other, uh, and its companion called GC Connects, which more, is more of a Facebook type thing, um, that enabled some of the beginning of it. But it, it, it's cool because it's a truly organic uh, community that has come together around this idea of, of social sharing. And you know, these guys, they put together an event roughly every three weeks, you know, rotating. Um, they get together, so there's that face-to-face that -face connection, and they do some fabulous networking. And, you know, just to really, as, as one person put it, you know, the, the structure of government is, is siloed, right? And, and theoretically, a junior person in Department A, if they want to talk to a junior person in Department B, really has to go up the chain and then over and then back down the chain, you know? Mm. Uh, that's... It, it's a silly diagram and what W2P has done I think is it's allowed these guys to make the connections themselves and completely completely you know avoid the middle <laughs> right? mm. so what you're talking about Tom kind of reminds me of uh, the clue train manifesto which is a book that was written in the late 90s I believe and um, it's written kind of like the 95 theses of Martin Luther and I remember that one of the theses goes hyperlinks subvert hierarchies and that's exactly what we're seeing now now that i follow tony clement the the president of the treasury board and he follows me i can send him a dm right direct message i can do that with a few deputy ministers now i can do that with you tom yes i don't have to go through the hierarchy and the chain that takes so long forever i can connect and bypass that that clay layer absolutely 
So while we're on the, the social subject, um, Richard, you mentioned that you uh, you came to the event to, to do some live blogging and you, you've uh, created quite a bit of content as a result of, of your experiences at the event. Can you tell me, did you also see other um, social elements at play? Was there an active back channel on the hashtag? Were there participants who were interested outside of the room who were in, who were part of the conversation at all? Not as much as I'd like, mm-hmm. but to be perfectly honest, that's what I see my job as being. That's why I do the things that I do is, and I say it all the time to whenever I say a public servant, that's part of the W2P community. You guys need better PR. Mm. Uh, you're doing some great work. A, a phrase that I like to use is you're climbing Mount Everest without the aid of Sherpas. <laughs> and all I'm doing is making sure that you don't lose faith. There's at least one Canadian out there that is listening, that's paying attention, and that's very happy with what you're working on, and don't stop. So I gather that during the event there were also some more innovative uh, session formats. Uh, for example, there was an Ignite session of lightning talks. Tom, what were some of the themes that came out from the Ignite talks, and, and what was the reception from the audience of this different kind of format? The audience reception was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, you've got your, your, your five-minute sessions. And this year, the, the focus seemed to be around agile in a big way. Mm-hmm. So talking about how, how the elephant can be agile. Um, and, Richard, I know you wrote, you wrote a, a blog post about this, right? So. Yeah, actually, that's one of the reasons uh, I'm particularly fond of Ignite is I'm an alumni of Ignite. That's where I presented last year and was introduced to GTEC. It's not a, a flip-through PowerPoint. It's like it's pre-programmed, and you have five, six minutes to speak, and, and you got to be on time. But it's very astute conversations that people are having and talking about. It's not here's a graph of you know recent trends necessarily. It talks more about culture. Like I'm one of the most powerful um, speakers came from the lawyer with the bird video. That's how he yeah, described yeah. himself. And you know what I'm talking about, right, Tom? Yeah, yeah. The flock of swallows that that flies around and, and you know, seems seems very chaotic but has a tremendous uh, orchestration and, and sort of choreography to it. Um, and he was, so he was using that as the backdrop to his talk about agility, really. And, and I think also, you know, what, what starts to come in there is this whole idea of complexity and the fact that that you know governments the world over are having to deal with you know really wicked problems right bigger problems than we've ever faced and you know the traditional hierarchies that that have sort of served us pretty well for the last couple hundred years just aren't up to the task anymore and and we have to be talking about some some pretty significant structural changes and sort of reaching out and connecting and, and doing some true um well, I guess establishing structures and processes that, that allow for complexity, right? That allow for emergence, that allow for this, this idea of a loosely connected network to form. So let's also talk about the open data speed dating session, which, uh, Richard, I gather that you participated in with great gusto and enthusiasm. <laughs> um, and there's a couple oh, of things... Oh, so did Tom. <laughs> yeah, we were both there. <laughs> so uh, I'm really interested, though, uh, from from your blog post, Richard, where um, you basically kind of wrote, you, you wrote up your experience and the two kind of key questions. The main question, you were being asked by uh, data custodians 
and then the main question that you were asking. Um, and so I'd like to kind of tease those out. Um, you, you mentioned that the data custodians overwhelmingly said to you that the big thing that you need to do is to show demand for data sets. So I'm interested to hear from both of you, in, in you know, could we hear that quite a lot in the work that we do, uh, in the conversations we have uh, with data custodians, it's always about the need to show some kind of demand or benefit to justify the release of a data set. Richard, what do, for you, what does that look like in reality? How do you show that demand? It's, it's, it's difficult because it's such, open data in and of itself is so new, but it's very old at the same time. It's not in sort of the mainstream quite yet. So in order to show that demand, you got to talk about what open data is. You got to introduce it in schools. You got you to gotta make it fun. That's my thing personally is if open data is just viewed as this dry kind of, you know, thing that's left for programmers and analysts, you're never going to get that demand. But if you turn open data kind of like how WordPress has turned web creation, then you'll create that demand there, right? People will say, oh, you know what? I can play with this stuff. I can create stuff. I can see stuff. I can influence with this data now. When before, the only influence I had was by writing a letter that ended up in a junk mail bin somewhere. Hmm. So, Tom, in your experience in, in dealing with public sector practitioners and, and data custodians, when they're saying show demand, what do you think it is that, that they're asking for? Well, they're asking, they've got a lot of data. <laughs> mm. and, and liberating that data takes effort, right? Yeah. So, so I think what, what they're, and, and frankly, you know, they've collected this data over the years, they've, you know, for various reasons for internal use. And they're not, I think it's, it's an honest call for, you know, hey, what, what, do, we, what do we want to spend our effort on uh, releasing? Mm. And, you know, we can't release it all, at least not in the short term. It's just too much work kind of thing. And so, you know, what do you want to see? And they also, you know, I think pretty much every, every custodian there was, you know, an advocate of open government and, you know, sort of believes in it beyond the, the purely pragmatic, if you will. Mm. So, so in a way, you know, they're looking for support as well. That you know, they believe it's important. Um, they want to be able to show their higher ups who might be questioning um, their effort, you know, and saying, you know, I could reassign you to something else, you know, mm -hmm. um, and so be able to say, well, listen, Canadians do really want this. So, you know, they want to see data sets downloaded. They want to see people crying for data sets. They want to see new apps evolving. So. So you know, I, I think that a lot of it's a learning experience on all on all on all sides. So the open data speed dating thing was awesome, though. It was it just about broke my brain. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, can I come back to a, a point, Tom, that you raised earlier on in our conversation about the the focus around the different spheres of government um, who attend or perhaps are influenced by the, the conversations that happen at, at GTEC uh, and more broadly. You mentioned that uh, federal government obviously has a, a large part to play in, in the CTEC conversation. Can you talk a little bit about how provincial or regional issues and, and municipal issues and participants um, are involved in the GTEC conversation and if they're not, how they could be? Yeah, so, well, the GTEC organizers do, you know, they make a serious effort to, uh, to bring in the regions and some cities. 
uh, the, and they do that in part the the way the awards are structured. So the the whole thing really kicks off with an awards ceremony on the Monday, followed mm-hmm. by a gala, which is you know one of the best networking events ever. Um, then and so those awards are broken down into province, city, and and federal. So so that that encourages participation. They also uh, pick a province every year and sort of make them the the highlight province. And this year, I believe it was Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, so so the the talk isn't so much about maybe the municipal issues or minis- or provincial issues versus federal issues, but it is very much about uh, you know how how we're, the various government organizations and jurisdictions are adopting technology, and you know the innovative stuff tends to be at the municipal level. Uh, or the, even the provincial level, you know, the feds are, are usually the, the last ones on board, right? Mm. They just seem to move slower. And, and that's probably because they're not quite as in front of citizens as the, as the cities are. Mm. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't complain so much to the Ministry of Industry, but you very much complain to the city hall if, mm. your, if your streets aren't working or your garbage is not being picked up. So can I ask each of you now what, what your main takeout from the event was that you think others should know about, others in Canada, but also uh, other listeners from around the world who, uh, who might have tuned into our conversation today. Richard, what was the main thing that you took away from, uh, from your time at GTEC this year? That I should continue what I'm doing. <laughs> it's, it, I, I'm not going to be so egocentric to suggest that what I'm doing is encouraging and actually having an impact and making GTEC bigger than what it is. But I really do think that my presence and the presence of other sort of quote unquote civilians in in that environment should be there should be more of us, right? The rest of Canada should be there too. I wholeheartedly agree with you, Richard. And you know, so I'm part of the what we call the shadow public service, right? (laughs) Um, A consultant (laughs) that that works for the works for the public service. My big takeaway. I think it's actually just wonderfully phrased by um, Salvatore Calta, the, the IBM speaker. And, you know, he said, the business is from Mars and IT is from Venus. And, you know, he, <laughs> and that just kind of really stuck with me because I see it all the time. You know, the IT geeks are geeking out and the business people are rolling their eyes. And, and there really needs to be, you know, within and without um, much more appreciation between them and much more communication, much more um, work to 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 sort of bring them together. You know, I don't know if you, if you know what I mean. It's the whole idea that yeah. the IT folks and, and, and people who are sort of technically adept, you know, we see the potential of the technology and we get excited about it. And, and you know, you, you, the business folks, the folks who are running the programs and the policy and all that – pure government stuff, you know, they're not always quite as technology, technology adept and they don't really see the potential. And it's really important that these two groups talk to each other, you know, but the reality is they didn't talk to each other in high school, you know, one were the, one was the, there was a group of the techies and there's a group of the, you know, like think about the people who go into these fields. Um, so they really need to take some, take some lessons in communication skills and appreciation of each other. Well, Tom, I'd like to ask you a quick question here because you're more into it than I am. And I'm sorry, Allison, I don't mean to, to take over your role <laughs> as a means. host. By all means. But, but I'm, actually, I'm actually kind of curious to, to know this, but are you finding there's more people within the government that have both those business and IT skills that, that 
it's not just being silent. I'm a business guy or I'm an IT guy, but now I can do both. I think there's a recognition growing that it's that it's a good thing. Uh, are there more? There's still not a lot of them, I would say. You know, and I frequently play that role as a consultant, right? Uh, because we're expendable. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> um, so. But, yeah, I think there's very much a recognition that it is it is more important, and it was a big part of the whole um, the whole CIO capacity building discussion I was talking about earlier. Mm. You know a lot of that was focused on better communication skills, better business analyst skills, you know being able to tease out the requirements. Um, IT people can't just go to a business group and say, "Okay, what are your requirements?" you know because the business group doesn't know and and there's a there's a real skill there in in communicating and and sort of teasing them out into something so that the IT group can actually deliver a, an application or a solution of value. So just to close our conversation, I've, I've got a quick uh, quick question for, for each of you. Thinking about your, your GTEC experience this year, what's one thing that you'd like to see for next year that you think would, uh, would just take it over the edge? I'd love to see a keynote, like a main keynote, that is not a, a high-ranking government officer or a big corporate entity. I'd love to, to see that happen next year, bringing someone that is part of the civil society, talking, like giving a perspective from the outside. Um, you know, it's great that government is, is doing all these great things, but don't forget the other voice, the different perspective that comes in. So for next year, uh, that's definitely what I'd love to see. Tom? Yeah, that would be great. I'd like to see, I'd like to see a lot more... I'd like to see the conversation spread out to the, the, the sort of social democracy or the participatory democracy mm-hmm. issue. I'd like to see a lot more of that. And, and this is where I'm going to do a shameless plug for everyone to go check out citizenbridge.org. <laughs> that is a social democracy, democracy 2.0 website that me and seven others are building in our spare time. It's been such a pleasure to speak with both of you. We've covered a lot of ground, and I'm sure we could speak for uh, a long time more, but uh, we, we'll bring it to a close now. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Richard and Tom, for, for joining us and sharing your perspectives. Thank you, Alison. The pleasure was all mine. So if you'd like to follow up on today's discussion about GTEC 2013, as well as the work that Tom and Richard are doing, including relevant links, you'll find it all at gov2oradio.com. Thanks so much for listening and I look forward to your company again next time. Bye for now.